Hello and welcome. You're listening to Need to Know. When it comes to navigating college and beyond, there are just some things you need to know. Like, is college worth it? How do you deal with student loans? And how should you choose your major? That's where this podcast comes in. We're Christina and Michelle, the hosts for this podcast. Join us as we answer some of your biggest burning questions about college and debunk the myths about the application process. Hey, Christina. Hey, Michelle. What are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about, is art school worth it? Nice. So this episode is actually a very specific topic. Um, We've talked more about the broader aspects of, is college worth it before? And we've talked a lot about, you know, looking at the U.S. college industry as a whole. But in this episode, we really wanted to dive into art school because all the topics that we've talked about before do apply to art school. But art school has some very specific particulars to it. And uh, since both of us have gone to art school, we figured it would be a good episode for anybody who's interested in being an artist of some capacity. Yeah, and just to give you a little background on how this podcast came to be, um, we revisited the art program that we went to when we were in high school every year, and really a lot of the questions were the same. So we thought maybe having a podcast could really help answer some questions. Yep. We, uh, every year, actually, we go back to, well, almost every year, we go back to our original high school and uh, we help talk to some of the students there and give them advice in terms of what they want to do, um, whether or not they should do it. So, jumping in with the hard-hitting question, is art school worth it? This question is tricky to answer because it can be either a resounding yes or a hard full stop no. <laughs> <laughs> So would you want to start with the yes or the no? Um, let's do, let's start with the positives. <laughs> okay, that sounds good for me. So the positives of going to art school, if you're going to a creative in- industry, like animation, photography, virtual reality, illustration, painting, graphic design, and within graphic design, you have UX design, UI design, wayfinding, um, it's worth it, but you have to actively do the right research into what you want to do. And if you listen to a lot of our previous episodes that we have already released, um, we talk a lot about schools that have networks that put you in the pipeline so that you can have a job when you get out of school. And that's really important to have because that's really the reason why you go to school mm-hmm. now is so that you can access their network. Um, so definitely look into um, what we call pipeline schools. Yes. So um, just a caveat, art schools can be worth it. They are not automatically worth it ever. Um so certain art schools have certain connections with certain industries and it's really important that you kind of keep an eye out and know what those are as you're going into it so it's like christina mentioned the pipeline schools um are things you want to keep an eye out for if you see a lot of graduates from certain schools going into certain industries there's a pretty decent chance that they have some sort of networking capacity that they could be able to place you into the job or the industry that you want um, that being said, if you go to, I'm going to use Ringling, throw them under the bus as a, uh, example in this case, Ringling does happen to have a lot of connections in the animation industry, for instance. Um, but going there for design would be a, 
an awful move just because it is incredibly, incredibly expensive and they don't have the same level of connections that would make it so that it's better or less than a lot of other more cost-effective schools with very, very similar programs. So you want to be looking at, um, if you have a very specific goal in mind, try and find a pipeline school into the specific industry that you want, if that makes sense. You want to definitely try and think about contacting the graduates and see if you can email them and say, hey, I'm interested in this major. And if you could answer some of these questions, what they thought of the program, they're going to be more upfront with you about whether or not they thought the program was worth it, what what they thought they wish they would have done and what they wish they wouldn't have done, you know? there It's two sides of this coin. You should definitely be more keen on connecting with those that have been through that program so that you can start to see whether or not this would fit kind of your needs mm-hmm. or if it would actually help you achieve your goal in terms of getting you to a career that you are aiming for. Um, I found that really helpful even with just in my grad application process. Right. And then certain schools really can give you a leg up. So um, there's certain industries that definitely have more pipeline schools than others. Animation, I think, is the biggest one in terms of certain schools. Like you do tend to get very choice jobs going to those kind of schools. Um, the example that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, LaSalle in Singapore. They, I know they place the vast majority of their students in very high level roles for their animation programs. So it's, you know, you can look at these and really use those as an opportunity, but that also is a perfect segue into um, the uh, the cons of <laughs> whether or not art school is worth it. Um, so if you're going to be paying a ton of money to go to college, it better be worth it, right? Art schools are very typically uh, private run um, and they tend to be very expensive. There are none that I know of that are actually state schools, for instance, and that means that they are a very hefty, hefty investment, and you have to remember that going in. Um, You also have to remember that most art degrees don't really pay very much. (laughs) So again, it's more about being able to know ahead of time what you're getting yourself into and knowing whether or not the education is going to be worth it if it's a pipeline school. It's very, very easy. Um, So to give an example, when I was... Working at the Boston Center for the Arts, I was uh, basically running the marketing department at that point by myself, and I was hiring interns. And I remember um, I had this interesting conversation with an intern of mine who had gone to an art school that was like a cheaper one from the area sort of thing. And I was looking through her portfolio and I was just thinking, oh my God, this woman just paid $25,000 for four years, like each year. And she's coming out with a portfolio that makes her borderline unhirable. And the art schools can really not, like, the curriculum sometimes is not effective. Um, they tend to, for example, fall behind on the times a little bit easier than a lot of other industries, just because the art industry changes so, so, so quickly. Um, social media was never discussed in the art college within my university that I went to, for instance. It was like, oh, and you should have a website. That's as far as we got. So it's there's a lot of different factors that can make it really not worth your time, especially because you're going into some sort of industry that's going to be driven by a portfolio. And when you're dealing with that, school actually really isn't necessary 99% of the time when it comes to the art degrees. So you have to be able to kind of figure out what that balance is for you. 
Yeah, and I like that you brought up a point where you said whatever the school is teaching you should be very relevant and current because it's so important to make sure you learn the skills that are going to help set you apart in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to school, taking a graphic design class at MICA, and my professor was super awesome at keeping the curriculum very current, very relevant. It wasn't too outdated. I also have taken classes in web design where we were learning old technology we should have been learning css and mm -hmm. html but you know we weren't um, and so that's something that as a student we should definitely be very wary of is keeping an eye out on what's relevant and what's not right and that means you do have to do research ahead of time we're not saying though that you should ever skip classical drawing classes or painting classes because as a creative the skills that you learn in painting class and drawing class are going to serve you throughout your career. When you go learn painting, you're going to learn color theory, you're going to learn composition, you're going to learn storytelling, you're going to learn a lot, of, a lot of these different aspects of being a creative. Oh yeah, you can't skip those foundation classes either. No school will let Michelle's you. Michelle's right. No, no school <laughs> will let you skip that foundation. It's so important. Mm -hmm. So don't skip those classes, but definitely be vigilant about checking out what you're going to learn in each class and make sure they're relevant to the careers that are going to use those skills. So to give you a very easy way to check, um, if you go for your degree and you look at the degree classes, see what classes are offered and see if it's just graphic design is a very easy example for this. If you go and you see a graphic design program and they have a single web design class on offer, just one and it's just a general web design class that's a big red flag actually because typically that means they don't have enough time in the duration of the course to go into a lot of the deeper points of web design it means you're not going to get a particularly good experience in terms of the variety that's out there right now and also it normally means that there's no um, courses that are dealing with app design for instance which is another huge category they don't break down the differences between UI UX which is another huge thing that you need to know and it, those are all things that I know my school had a single web design class so this is my what I wish I'd known um, moment, but I had to learn all this stuff coming out of school, basically. And I did get kind of lucky that one web design class was taught by a professional web developer, and he only taught this one class at the school. So we at least had somebody with an industry perspective, and I went out of my way to find a student mentor who was already going into the industry to help me out. So I made it work for me, but it's really not a good sign. And I really don't recommend doing it if you don't see multiple niche classes around whatever topic you're interested in. That being said, you want to double check the student work that's coming out of the school, because a lot of schools will have, they'll use like the buzzwords, like UI UX classes, app design classes sort of thing. Um, and they'll just be like using it as like a degree mill kind of school. And they'll be like churning out work at the work level will not be good. So you need both of those things. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to also add on the fact that um, it's good to have classes within that program to be taught by industry professionals. Not all of your classes have to be taught by industry professionals, but some of the classes should definitely be taught by industry professionals because these people are the ones that are in the office using the programs and utilizing the skills and the techniques that obviously are being used. So they'll be able to tell you, oh, you need to learn X, Y, and Z programs. I would argue that um, full-time professors can be quite good at their jobs. I, when I was, I also did advertising, which has a lot of overlap with art school topics. And there was one full-time professor that she was more on top of 
things that are going on in the industry than any other teacher in that school. Um, and that's because she, you know, made it kind of permission to do that. So, but definitely having teachers that you know have outside practices can be good. Um, it can also be bad. I remember we had one teacher that had an outside practice and that made him a pretty bad teacher, to be honest, <laughs> in his particular case. So it kind of can go either way, but having a school that brings experts in. So if you find that the school has a specific teacher that they're bringing in for a specific topic, that's a really good sign. And that I think is a little bit too of what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I think any professor or department that brings in an outside professional for a lecture or a Q&A session really does help you learn more about that profession. I know we had lunchtime lectures in the major that I was mm -hmm. in and we would have yeah professionals who come in and tell us about what's going on, what's current. And it helped to give us perspective on whether or not we wanted to pursue this career track yeah. and give us perspective on what to expect within the career track. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I found that super helpful for me as a student. Absolutely. And then when it comes to um, being able to look at these like student examples versus teacher examples, you can actually also go into the teacher portfolios and find out what they have done. So that can be really helpful, too. <laughs> I, I remember stalking my teachers. Yeah, we had one teacher um, who he his entire class was based around installation art. I took this class and it was one of the most fun ones I ever took. It wasn't actually in, even in my degree program. I was just like, I want to take this class. And uh, the guy was one of the artists who originally invented the idea of being an installation artist. And so his work, he has all these pictures that he was showing of him in like the early seventies doing this installation art. He was talking about like how he basically was like, well, I feel like throwing paint at a wall and we're going to call that. <laughs> he was like explaining the process, but then also he kind of forced us to think outside of the box. So it was a good class. Yeah, that sounds like a great class. I would like to <laughs> have those professors too, right? They force you to think and grow. And we'll be another episode down the road uh, where we talk about what happens when you have a great professor, obviously never let them go. And what happens when you have bad professors? That's a good point, by the way. These professors can be really useful in terms of connections after school. Um, I actually don't really keep in touch with most of my professors. And in my case, there's only one that I do keep in contact with. And it's actually one of the professors I had in Singapore. And in his case, he taught a um, the, basically the business side of being a contract employee. That was his class. That was one of the best classes I ever took. And I think every school needs one of those. But he um, had a very specific way of teaching. And he also um, is because he's a contract worker himself. I was able to send things to him like, hey, can you take a look at this? Does this make sense? Is, am I doing this right kind of thing even after I graduated? So that was really nice to be able to have. Yeah. That. And always be able to communicate with your professors. Like sometimes I go back and talk about things with my professors. But this is a great segue into the next topic, how to get the most out of art school if you decide to go. Yeah. So the first thing that you should get out of this is that peer-to-peer -peer learning is so important. Um, actually, I feel like I've learned so much more from just watching my classmates or talking to them um, about what I'm working on. Um, but I think peer-to-peer -peer learning has been a very important part of my education. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Michelle. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> so I have a really weird answer for this, um, simply because we had an unexpected set of circumstances happen in um, my senior year. So we had 
two of our teachers go on maternity leave at the same time. And we only had four graphic design teachers in total across all four years. So that meant that my senior class was largely unattended. Essentially, we had like a teacher, but he wasn't actually able to be there most of the time. I missed the first semester of that. I only got the second semester, which turned out to be really lucky um, because I heard all the stories afterwards and I kind of saw the aftermath. And it basically meant that there was nobody teaching for that year. Um, and instead, all the students were helping each other. And that's kind of the way things went. We also had a similar experience uh, sophomore year. Uh, I actually ended up getting a teacher fired because she was an awful, awful teacher, like really awful. And um, that meant that we missed out on this big chunk of time. And it was a, our first typography class. So we're all sitting there trying to mm -hmm. teach each other and, and helping each other with all the tips and tricks we had learned. And it made our class extremely close um, in terms of we were all very good friends with each other at that point. So... <laughs> definitely an extreme version of learning from each other in my mm -hmm. case yeah normally that's not what happens yeah and if you're ever in a situation where your professors are not attentive or are not providing valuable information to you in class mm -hmm. definitely tap into the resources within your class learn from each other but also that's a red flag to, to know that you should probably talk to your school because <laughs> if you're paying $50,000 a year, the least you should be able to expect from your teacher is that they're teaching you and giving you value and helping you grow as an artist or designer. Yeah. And in this case, like we, we were an extreme example because it was not within the school's really mm -hmm. zone of influence <laughs> because it was caused by multiple maternity leaves. <laughs> Um, although they definitely probably should have hired somebody part-time. to Yeah, so. and that's true, but definitely think about peer-to-peer -peer learning and share the resources that you guys find. Um, so if you have a tutorial that you find that makes a process super fast, send a video to each other. Um, just, you know, keep in contact with each other so that you guys can, yeah, improve and grow together. And I graduated from a class of eight people, so we're pretty Oh, tight. we had 23. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <laughs> mine's really small, smaller. But we're basically a very dysfunctional family. But yes, share resources, share what you're working on. Yeah. Get a second opinion, because somebody else will always have a different perspective um, and can actually give you ideas and give you multiple directions to explore in. So that's definitely going to help your project be in an even better place um, than if you were just working on it. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the actual method of like sharing, we actually had a Facebook group for I made it and I, I, it still exists actually. And every now and then somebody will pop up being like, hey, I have a job posting for something. Um, but uh, we made a Facebook group and that was our way of sharing. So we would throw something in the Facebook group and be like, hey, can I get a quick critique on this before class? Or, oh, look, I found this cool thing. You guys might find it useful. Or, hey, so-and-so, I know you're looking for this. So having like a hub of communication can really help. And you can be the person to take that initiative and get everybody in on whatever you guys want to use. Yeah. And that's a really awesome idea is using Facebook groups. And I think every department had one. Today, it might be slack that's what's most used now um but yeah and even as a digital nomad we use whatsapp i specifically would recommend having something that doesn't involve the teachers because we had so the school gave us base camp and that was that would have been fine we didn't really use it though um because a lot of times we had such a weird experience 
with our particular school. Um, and sometimes it's also just nice to be able to like discuss something without knowing a teacher's watching. So even though the school may give you kind of a resource for, you know, communicate over here, if it's not very active, you can make one that is just your peers. And then it has the ability to live much longer. Um, so even if the school has Slack set up for you kind of thing, that's a paid service, they can shut it off at any time. Whereas if you guys have control over something, it becomes a little bit more um, long. Yeah, and you don't want to have a Facebook page with a professor where um, they you they see you venting or <laughs> put down bad things about that professor. That's not healthy. Yes, that also, like, you need to let off steam. <laughs> yeah. And so think about that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> and then with that, the last point would be to always experiment and make mistakes now, because that's what school is for, is for making mistakes and to explore as much as possible. Um, one of my professors had said, like, school mm -hmm. is definitely the only place where you get to do some of these crazier things. So definitely look into experimentation. Yes. Um, your peers become your network mm -hmm. immediately as soon as you graduate, even before that. So make sure that when you're, you know, dealing with this class of students that are all kind of going through the same journey as you, you keep as many of those connections as you can, well after college even. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully you have a like-minded group of individuals and you all get along, yeah. but um, really, like I mentioned earlier, this Facebook group that we have, if somebody has a job posting, we'll drop it in there kind of thing and it becomes like a really easy way for you to be able to move through the industry and you also come with this knowledge of strengths and weaknesses about like what everybody is good at so that becomes a really easy way for you to like say you're in a position where like Christina and I are now if I need a like a contractor for a specific thing I have this person in my mind that I went to school with and I'm like oh they'd be perfect for like that kind of thing so just remember that as you go forward Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also very important to know that you definitely need to put in the effort um, to keep the relationship alive because um, sometimes you yes. just forget life gets in the way and life happens because <laughs> I know I've been slacking yeah. in that department. No, it's, easy. it's easy to accidentally kind of just let go, um, but also because we live in this age of social media, even just kind of posting what you're up to every now and then, you'll, you'll be surprised as to who pays attention and who reaches out. I know when I started my business, I had three different classmates of mine reach out specifically asking for tips in terms of like oh how did you pull this off how do you manage this how do you that kind of thing so mm -hmm, yeah and that makes sense to just like do a little post or a little outreach every once in a while and now we can talk about how do you tell your parents when you want to go to art school <laughs> <laughs> this is the I, this is my favorite of all the topics for today <laughs> <laughs> i well it's because i've had to deal with this so many times um because I tend to, so I mentor students one-on-one -on -one, and even in college, um, I was typically the person that did the convincing, if that made sense, um, or gave people the tools to be able to explain what they were going to do. So mm -hmm. um, let's, let's start with a, with a lovely story, uh, which I think I've mentioned in here once before, but I'll dive into it today. So uh, my roommate, sophomore year, her name was Emily. She was a student from China and her parents were both like Ivy League, the Chinese equivalent of Ivy League professors, basically. And she was studying business and she hated it. Like She would come home every single day and complain her butt off. And she always was extremely jealous of my homework. And she would talk about this every day. And it started really annoying me. So 
I got to the point where I was like, well, why don't you just switch your major? And she was like, oh, I couldn't do it. My parents would never go with it. You know, and she was giving me all these, um, like what her parents think about it and all these excuses. And I was like, let me talk to your parents. So she actually set up a Skype meeting with them and uh, she translated because they don't speak English. <laughs> and I we sat down and I kind of explained the very level-headed side of being a designer, what that means, how, what kind of jobs there really are. And we found out it was actually just a lot of um, kind of misinformation that they had, or it was um, like they just didn't have the information that made it so that they were saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this. And then once we were able to explain, she was able to switch her major and she became one of my classmates, uh, number 23. <laughs> she was the last oh, to join so the program. She's the last one, yeah. And so uh, we were able to get her to a place where she much, much more enjoys what she's doing now versus the business school that she was in. So as I said, in her case, it has a lot to do um, with just this cloud of mystery around the industry. And I'm sure you've seen that, Christina, as well, in some cases. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about what you meant when you say demystify the industry for your parents? So in this particular case, um, you're going to need to know the industries that you're going into pretty well. So knowing the salaries, for example, the industry you're going into, we've talked about this before. This is important for all of them, but being able to say this is a cost effective school for the amount of money that I'm going to be able to make afterwards. Um, you're going to be dealing with the fact that you have this kind of starting artist persona hovering over you. Um, and unless you have a parent who actually is an artist, they're not going to know anything about the industry. And that's something you just need to know and accept. So being able to come in and say, you know, I know what I'm looking at. I know how to get into the industry and I know how these types of artists get paid. That's a really big one. Um, being able to say, you know, as an illustrator, for instance, that, I understand that I can get paid for work on editorials and I know how you get those jobs. Like knowing that ahead of time really makes it much, much, much easier to explain to your parents why you're interested in this thing and that you're not going to end up on the street. And honestly, if you are going through the effort to figure the industry out, even before you get in college, I have full confidence you're not going to end up on the street anyhow. <laughs> yes. So I agree with Michelle when she said um, that really you just want to be able to explain to your parents hey i'm going to make money mm -hmm. this is how i'm going to be able to afford to live right as a functioning member of society um and you know all the knowledge that we're dishing out right now to you guys this is knowledge that we wish we had when we were at your stage so this is something that is going to put you way ahead of the curve way 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 ahead and so that's a good thing and a little, um, I guess, personal story is when I went to tell my parents that I wanted to go to art school, my parents outright said no at first because, again, they didn't understand that process. They really did think that I wasn't going to afford to pay for my own living expenses. They weren't, you know, they just weren't sure of me being able to feed myself. And that's not true, especially in this kind of era that we're in where AI is taking over a lot of our jobs and so really the only thing that's left now is the creative industry and that's why we're booming um, and a lot of the things that that we're doing in school really you know made us very um, kind of competitive in the market so that was good for us as well um, so it's really about kind of 
calming your parents' minds and letting them know that you will be okay. So one of the things that my dad um, specifically brought up when I was talking about going to school for design was the fact that you're dealing with a very large pool of people going into these schools. And that means that there's a lot of competition and it also tends to drive down the salaries. And my dad is a very pragmatic man. He's right. That is the case. So in this particular conversation, um, one of the things I remember bringing up or that I really should have brought up at the time is looking back, I can see that it's easier to end up at the top percent of earners um, if you know how the money is made in the industry, which is why I'm really stressing this point. And then also um, what your portfolio needs to be in terms of being able to get those jobs in the first place. And that really kind of those two things, I think, define your level of success as an art in mo actually, I think all of the art related industries more than anything else. So being able to go into a conversation with your parents and say, look, I understand the industry. I understand how to make money in the industry. That means that you can quell a lot of the fears. Oh, and then also being able to kind of explain what types of jobs there are. I know when I had my conversation with uh, Emily's parents, who I mentioned earlier, being able to explain that, you know, being a designer is more than just doing book covers, for instance. There's a lot of variety in terms of the jobs and like the types that I could do, et cetera. That was actually a really big selling point for them. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember a student had come up to me and said, oh, what's the difference between a graphic designer and an illustrator? And that was a really good question. Um, I remember having that question when I was in high school, um, looking up all the different fields that I could possibly go in. And the easy short answer is that the the illustrator is more drawing-based, so illustrative types, whereas the graphic designer is more kind of based on typography, UX, UI design. But within graphic design, you have to know that there's so many different categories. So I personally used to do wayfinding and signage. But because of my architecture background, I could mm -hmm. work on graphic design projects that have 3D elements to them. So I would be able to model a sign in a 3D program like Rhino 3D and render it out so that my clients know what it's going to look like once something was built. And then if they approve that design, then we could send the same drawings to the shop to let them know, hey, this is what it's going to right. look like when it's done. So please try and spec this out for us, right? And that's really, really niche market. For sure. And then being able to um, speak to like the impact of social media, I think can also be a really big aspect. So the industry will never, ever stop changing. This is true of every industry. And your job, I had a teacher that kind of drilled this into us. Your job as a designer is to be continually learning so that you can stay a designer. Um, because the second you stop, you're out of the industry. And so knowing ahead of time kind of what the industry looks like now and then seeing college as the way to see where the industry is going, I think is a really healthy way of striking mm -hmm. that balance. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you definitely want to learn as much as possible while you're in school and take as many variety of classes as you can that you're interested in. Um, but definitely don't feel like you have to learn every single skill you want to niche down. Um, <laughs> Don't do what I did and overwhelm yourself with so much work. Um, mm -hmm. It's not healthy mentally or physically. Um, but just know that you can always go online to learn a specific skill or process that you can add to your tool belt 
um, without overwhelming you, but also would give your project more depth or help you learn something or process even more. And in another episode, we'll talk about um, how do you balance your schoolwork and your school life so that you're not going to burn yourself out and, you know, a lot of these other, like, mental health things right? and self-care. I agree. Yes. I was debating saying something about that, but then I was like, mm. <laughs> you're very good at overwhelming yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's because you've seen me burn myself out so many times. Sadly, but true. But you know what? I'm, I'm alive. But this is why we're here, because we all learn from example. Um, but, you know, it's still something I'm learning, but I think I'm getting better at it. So, yes. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this in a future episode, by the way, um, in terms of dealing with kind of balance when it comes to the college experience and just, you know, mental health and how that plays in and how do you not do it, what Christina just illustrated basically yeah so learn from me and my mistake don't kill yourself and just you know try and have actionable actionable steps for yourself when you get Mm -hmm. overwhelmed so another big topic about going to art school is learning how to deal with criticism Mm -hmm. uh it's short and sweet your goal in college is to learn so you better be accepting criticism (laughs) i actually most foundation classes for design um that i'm aware of do teach how to critique and how to accept critique and being able to do both of those is incredibly important to your ability to grow just in the long run um and then also the the group growing together um in terms of like your classmates so you know, if you're kind of, you, you do tend to see some people end up in these classes where they come in and they're like, you know, I am hot stuff. I don't need anything. I'm just here to show off sort of thing. And they end up being the worst designers every time because they don't accept criticism and it means they don't grow. So just remember the college is a learning experience. And as long as you say it in that, you know, keep that mind frame, you'll be totally fine. Yes. The first thing would be to be able to identify between what criticism is versus constructive criticism. And so you need to be able to develop a thicker skin for criticism. And not everyone is going to love everything you do. I mean, that's just impossible. But you should know that the constructive criticisms are there to help you grow. Now, there are going to be people who might be sour about Mm -hmm. what they do or the fact that they didn't do such a great job, and then they'll give you snarky comments brush those off it doesn't matter if your work is amazing and because you've put in the time and the effort and there's merit behind your work stand proud take the constructive criticism and move on um you do yeah you need a thick skin when you're there um and even throughout life and your profession this is actually um something else to remember when you're dealing with criticism you want to look for schools that actually have a collaborative environment rather than a competitive one um it can be there are certain schools that i can think of off the top of my head that i know for a fact pitch the students against each other and that you know it's it's a different way of doing things for sure um but it also means that you tend to get less constructive criticism and you get more tearing each other down. And I don't find that particularly helpful. So that's a question that you can ask former students, for example, or if you're in a college tour, um, be like, you know, is this more of a competitive environment? Fashion programs are infamous for this, by the way. Um, They're normally the best example at every college (laughs) Um, in terms of, you know, 
not really having constructive criticism and instead having just, you know, unnecessary criticism and not real critique. (laughs) And I think I agree that you really want to find the community of artists and peers that are going to help you grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like any school is going to have that, though, automatically. Don't don't be (laughs) in a position or in an environment where you're going to have so much anxiety from all the competitiveness. Although the competition is good. So yeah, you should definitely have a little bit of friendly competition. And that's actually really good for your growth or um, your development Mm -hmm. as an artist or designer. So this is a really big topic. What does art school actually teach you? I mean, I'm... I'm going to let you lead that one off just because I have such a strange art school experience comparatively. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So many things that you can do and you can learn. Um, And I think at this day and age, art can be anything. And it can be science, it can be technology, it can be math. So, you know, people are doing computer graphics and that's an art and design media. And there's also... um, art and technology so like 3d printing and that's a really big field right there and manufacturing so like a lot of the technology that we get to play with will apply um in in the world anywhere else and a lot of the technology you get to play with as a foundation student and so that's really awesome then if you're interested in something don't be afraid of pursuing it and just like learn as much as you can about it as possible. So we have people who have literally dictionaries of paint colors where oh, they yeah, the painting schools have do that. Yeah. record of how they mixed each exact paint color. <laughs> I've seen those books. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's crazy. They are really cool to look at. And so, but that shows you how dedicated they are to their craft, right? It's almost super motivating to look at this and be like, oh, I want to make my own little dictionary. And so you go and you do that in your own sketchbook, right? And so you're creating your own language and vocabulary in the art world. Um, And so Mm -hmm. my freshman year, one of my professors had explained to us that as a human and as an artist or designer, as we grow, we will begin to develop our own air quote language. Right. And so throughout your classes, you'll start to learn how to have a sketchbook or journal. So when you do all of that in your journal, you're really just recording what you're thinking about. And so that's really important is also learning how to journal. I don't care if it's visual journal or writing journal, all the same is a way of hoarding like what you're learning and developing your own language. Mm-hmm. Right. So just kind of hit on some of the, the general commonalities between all art schools. Um, if they're anywhere near decent, they typically will teach you things like journaling. Actually, that is a standard um, foundational classes in terms of traditional painting and drawing are virtually required in all schools. Sculpture is another one that's required because it forces you to think in a 3D space. There's always like foundational classes for each major, for instance, and those kind of talk more about the uh, breadth of like different experiences you could have with that thing. So for design, for instance, uh, typically it's a general design class and that's talking about the theory, how to create a good design versus a bad one, because uh, there are objective elements to that actually, (laughs) rather than subjective ones. Um, And then also typography dealing with the same kind of objective versus subjective, good and bad design. Um, It's kind of like you're looking for a really good mix of kind of breadth of topics and then depth as well. 
ideally, um, any good art school is going to give you kind of a range of experiences at the front so you can kind of figure out, okay, what am I looking at doing? What are my interests here? You know, do I really want to go down this route? Do I really want to go down that route? And they also want to give you a foundation in your freshman year that you can then build off of. That's why they always have those painting and drawing and sculpture classes freshman year. Um, and then from there, you are looking for schools that have kind of more and more in-depth stuff. So this is what we talked about at the beginning of the episode with you want to see if they have like UX, UI classes specific for design, for example. Um, if you're dealing with sculpture, maybe they have very specific mediums that you can then go into. Um, we actually had a printmaking major that was quite good and we had like a digital printmaking class, for instance. So looking at those, like, the depth that you can go into, um, you're looking for a really good funnel in terms of being able to kind of choose your own adventure and be able to get pretty deep into that story. Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point and that's if there's a topic that you're really interested in. You wanna find that class within that major that will allow you to explore that topic. If your school even offers that. However, if you don't find a class that lets you do that, take the intro class, right? The class that introduces that concept and really learn about it and take all your projects to the next level as much as you can. Just always be pushing your boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you're done with that class at the end of that semester, go to that professor and say, hey, will you sign me on for an independent study? Um, and then tell them what you wanna mm -hmm. learn. It's probably close to what you've just learned from this professor, but it's, you're digging deeper. And from there, you can just self-study and do a research. If you're a history major, and let's say you're interested in the historical paint-making method, you can make it a class, an independent study class, where you mm -hmm. study that, where you go and you learn about it. So that's something that um, should never hold you back. Um, you can even, if you have something that you're really interested in, make that your um, thesis. So a lot of us, before we graduate, we have to do a year-long project. And that's usually something that we're very interested in. So we have people who've made uh, VR environments or virtual reality games for their thesis. And now, they're, now they have a company where they develop these things, these environments. Um, and so like, don't be afraid of going the path where you have to create your own class. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to kind of looking at art schools and doing self-studies and stuff like that. Um, I've talked about this so many times, but a huge reason that I ended up kind of studying abroad my senior year is because my school only offered kind of the breadth portion of the experience. <laughs> it was a lot of surface level discussion and it was not a good college education for that reason. It didn't go deep enough at all. And so I had a totally different experience when I went abroad and that made it so that I had a much more balanced way of doing things. Um, and also a much more forward thinking way of doing things. So it's really kind of, you're like just kind of reiterating a lot of these points that we talked about today. Art school is probably the most self-driven out of all of the majors that I have seen. There really is no like standard curriculum that you need to do in order to get a job. It's just so varied and it changes so, so fast in terms of the industry as a whole that there's like the foundational classes, you're probably always going to need those, sure. But as soon as you get into like this major specific classes, those are going to be constantly changing. And another thought that came to mind is you definitely don't have to take all the classes within this track um, the same as everyone else in your major. If there's something that interests you outside of your track, go and take that class and see how these two can come together. And that's what's really going to set your art apart from everybody else's. 
Um, so if you like a certain traditional technique mixed with a certain digital technique, you learn, you take both of those classes and you can start to really create your own process. That's really cool. And that's, for me, that's what's really exciting about art and technology. Um, and definitely this will be another episode down the road. I could rant about this all day. Um, but yeah, an experiment, 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 experiment. This is what we were mentioning before. This is a great time for you to learn new skills and experiment. Um, so that's a great point. And even thinking about new media, so like video, computer graphics, coding, like coding music. Oh yeah, none of that existed when we were in college. Like you could not do a VR class. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I remember going to graduating and going to people's senior show. Yeah. And seeing all these really cool things that people have done. I'm thinking about seeing these virtual reality projects and I'm like, oh, as an architecture major, having learned how to 3D model, I can help these people create architecture within this virtual reality program that they've done. So like, think about how you can stay relevant within the industry. Right. And before we sound, <laughs> just really quick, before we sound like a couple of old farts, remember, we only graduated four years ago. It's not that long of a time frame. So we're not like the back in my day thing. It's like, no, this four years ago, it was not a thing that was offered because it didn't really exist in a level that you could bring into a college classroom yet. But now it does. So keep keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Although the other side of that coin, I believe I've mentioned this before. It's like if you're doing something that's very trade school-y, there's so, some skills that mm -hmm. you do have to learn um, to do by hand. So if architecture majors, you do have to learn how to draft by hand and build models by hand, um, and then know the computers, which is going to make you a marketable person in the industry. Um, try and figure out the combination of skills that you need to be relevant. Mm -hmm. um, the, the hand drawing and the drafting is going to help you understand a lot of the things that being on the computer won't do. This is a pretty lengthy episode, but this is a lot of awesome information. And so in the next episode, we're going to talk about what are some ways around traditional art school education. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that means learning online or mm -hmm. learning offline, in person, and figuring out what's the best learning style for you. And don't worry, we're not going to just talk about art schools with this. We're going to talk about online versus offline learning across college yes. as a whole. <laughs> and then also how that applies to you know, majors that require a portfolio, for instance. Mm -hmm. We know that this is a long episode, but full of great information. So mm -hmm. thank you for staying with us. For sure. See you guys next week. Signing out. Hey guys, we hope this was a value-packed episode for you. Are there any questions you'd like us to answer in the future? Send an email to needtoknow.cm at gmail.com. If you liked it, please smash that subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends. Make sure to check out the show notes for resources. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.